0: Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: This is Sunday Edition with Anthony Corona, every week here on ACB Media 1.0. That's American Council of the Blind, Media One, and soon after on all your major podcast catchers. Each week, we'll dive into the news, human interest, and discussions about the issues surrounding all of us in and out of the American Council of the Blind community.
2: All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sunday Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Corona, and I am currently sitting on a Brightline train in Florida, so I will probably internet issues even though it's supposed to be high speed internet um so i asked sheila to shepherd the conversation and so she'll probably be popping in and out we're being joined by Tabitha, kim and carl today to talk about the audio description gala on november 14th welcome welcome welcome
3: thanks for having us
2: absolutely thank you so Kim, I'm going to start with you because you are actually going to an audio descript- described a performance in a little while. You're not going to be able to stay with us. So, how first off, how are you doing? All right, testing. Am I here?
3: Yes, you are. I think Kim is on. Kim mute. is muted, and yeah. okay, yeah.
2: All right. Well then tabitha welcome carl welcome <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the audio description gala tell us a little bit about what we're to expect this year and um about our new two fabulous
4: hosts <laughs> this i am back doing? so Hold sorry <laughs> about that guys <laughs> hi kim <laughs> i thought, i said this is the travel you know the the story of the traveling pants. It's the story of the traveling, you know, show. I think today with you and me <laughs> in transit. So my apologies, but uh, happy to be here. And let's we can just well let let me just say, and then I'll turn it over to Tabitha to talk about the hosts and that kind of thing, and I'll catch us up on the audio description people's choice award um, finalists because that's an important part of the gala too. But everybody needs to put 7.30 p.m. on Tuesday, November 14th on their calendars because that is the debut time of the 2023 ACB Audio Description Awards Gala. And it's going to be great. Um, I've seen a preliminary clip. I think Carl has. Tabitha absolutely has and was there, which she'll tell us a bit about and has helped to write scripts for a lot of the participants. So she's been absolutely instrumental in making this gala really, really terrific. So thank you, Tabitha, for all of your work on that, because that isn't easy. Um, So (laughs) you you are very welcome. And I think it would be really cool if you would talk a little bit about the Well, the script writing, you did a lot of it and some of it was done right there in the famous studio that the gala was recorded in at 30 Rockefeller Center. So you were doing what we always hear about, you know, on TV that, you know, script writers are writing as as they're filming and running around Mm -hmm. and handing up new copies of the scripts. And it's that's really true, isn't it?
3: Uh, yes <laughs> <laughs> much to my own surprise um so um so as as you know, some people might know by now um i've i've popped up on on community a couple times but i joined acv officially as the um audio description project coordinator in january so this is sort of my first uh you know my, my first year with with ADP and all of the different programs and and initiatives under the ADP umbrella, and of course one of the the huge ones is the Audio Description Awards Gala, which was launched in 2021. Um, so i I kind of was just watching in amazement as the the committee, um, you know, just just was getting everything done and contacting. Um, winners and assembling video clips and then all of a sudden somebody said hey Tabitha do you want to be on the production committee? I was like um sure (laughs) and so that meant that I got to contribute to um, to writing little miniature scripts because everything is recorded in advance so we have the winners, and we are not going to tell you who any of the winners are, so don't even <laughs> ask. We've been sworn to secrecy, and pinky swears over over Zoom are just as binding as in person pinky swears. Um, so you'll have to to tune in on the 14th to find out the winners. But they the winners know that they've won, um uh, receiving an award, and um, so they've recorded their their acceptance remarks. And then we also have presenters announcing who the recipients of the awards are. And so I I helped um, the the other members of the production team, Tony Stevens and Joe Strake, um, create little scripts for the, for the presenters. Um, and Kim was one of our presenters, along with um, Barbara Hinsky, who is the author of the Guiding Emily series that some people might be familiar with. Um, and uh, so I, th- I think Barb and Kim had a lovely time. Carl is also presenting, uh, doing a little tribute to Joel Snyder, our um, uh, founder and, and senior consultant for the Audio Description Project. And um, so I, yeah, I just helped kind of write those little scripts. And then um, the hosts, our, our official hosts, Marilyn Talkington and Conchita Hernandez, they also have, you know, multiple scripted remarks and, and introductions of, of people and things and the People's Choice Awards, which Kim will, will talk about here in a minute. Um, and so I went up to New York on October... Twelfth, I think it was that we recorded in Thirty Rockefeller Center, down the hall from Jimmy Fallon. Apparently, um, I I go to bed too early. I don't watch these things, but apparently, people were really excited <laughs> about the proximity of Jimmy Fallon okay. Studio. Um, and uh, and Marilee and Contida met for the first time there on the set, and so they were chatting, getting to know each other. Well, you know, having the hair and makeup done. And it turns out they're from the same hometown. Just totally, just like exactly the same hometown. Went, um, you know, went to the same high school, um, you know, at different times. But it was just really funny. So obviously, it was like, well, we have to work this into the script. So um, yeah, so there was a little rewriting on the fly, and then they did some improvising as well as they went. Um, and uh, and I was I as they say in the biz, I was on book the whole time I had the script in front of me on my laptop, um, you know, magnified ginormously so I could read the words. Um, so if anybody did, uh, you know, forget a word or something, I could, I could prompt them and, you know, they were great. We did multiple takes and everybody was, um, just, you know, really excited and, and willing and enthusiastic and, there was no whining or complaining, no diva,
2: you know, <laughs> yeah. nothing like
3: that. It was just really friendly and and supportive. So it was a lot of fun, and it's been great to to see the the rough cuts and how all of these different pieces, um, all these little different bits of videos, have been, um, you know, put together like a a huge jigsaw puzzle. And it's just becoming a a really great whole product that I think everybody yeah. is going to enjoy.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask that we put a pin for a moment. I'm gonna come back to you because I want to dive really into behind the scenes as well. But um, Kim, who is in transit, but definitely wanted to be here today. Um, Kim, tell us about the People's Choice Awards award. Sure.
4: Done. Yes. Well, that they're, they're um, this year we started out the process in the summer, and we um took nominations for people who are consumers of audio description to to nominate their favorite program with really good audio description so we got a lot of nominations and based on those nominations we identified five um well we divided the categories for possible awards into two categories five in each one is series that were um Live active series in the period um, between I think it was March 2022 and March 2023, and then we have a films category. So there's five um, finalists in each of those two categories. So I'll tell you first who the who the five finalists are for series. So we have um, Stranger Things, which is a Netflix production. And the audio description was done by Deluxe U.S. We have Better Call Saul, which is also a Netflix production. And the audio description was done by Descriptive Video Works. We have Wednesday, which is also a Netflix production. Audio description by IDC Digital, International Digital Corporation. Um... Alma's Way, which is a PBS Kids and Fred Rogers Productions. It's a bilingual um, program with English audio description done by Bridge Multimedia and Spanish done by Decapta. And the fifth um, series finalist for Audio Description People's Choice Award is Star Trek Picard, which is a Paramount Plus production with the audio description done by WGBH Media Access Group. So those are and all you give us, contemporary oh, ones, I think. So that's really good that we got those kind of nominations for that the series category.
2: So, Kim, before you give us the the films, um, some members of DeCapta and Gabriel Lopez Gabadi will be on. Uh, I think it's the nineteenth yes, the nineteenth. Um, and we'll be talking about the gala and we'll probably have some conversation about Alma. Um so I just wanted to throw that out there for those that are listening yeah. to Mark their calendars as well. So
4: well talk and the to other the- Yeah, the other exciting thing about Decapta and the Spanish is that this yep. year for the first time. The gala will be um, available in Spanish with dubbing provided by DeCapta, and audio description also provided by DeCapta in Spanish. So that will be—I um, don't know on what ACB Media channel. I think maybe eight. It will. I think they said was,
2: eight. Yeah.
4: Good. Good. That's usually where the Spanish lands. So um, that. That is exciting that we've got it available. And then it will also be a link on the awardsgala.org website, which is the go-to place for where you want to watch the live stream in English or Spanish. And Carl can capture later and talk a little bit more about, but Peacock will also be carrying the gala with two separate links for the English and the Spanish. That people can use if they have a subscription to peacock so so and that's one great before, news. We,
2: mm-hmm. before we go into the films where um sunday edition is also throwing out a challenge to our listeners to bring your friends and family and to experience the gala with you um because of course the gala is audio described and you know it's one of those fun ways to enjoy your program all together and maybe have a little bit of some teaching moment. Um, So that's something fun also that I'll be reminding folks of next week. So Kim, tell us about the films. Yeah.
4: Well, yes, I'm excited about the film category too. So let's see, we have um, Top Gun Maverick, which is a Paramount picture and the description is provided by Icon, which is a new name in the audio description community, some of you may not have heard of. But if you saw that film, the description was pretty darn good. So, we also have everything everywhere all at once. Um that is an A24 studio production. A24.
5: With,
4: <coughs> oh, what did I say? Oh you my god. A24. Okay. No, a- A24. A24. Okay. A24. A24. A24 is how they say it. A24. Got it. Um, pardon me. Um, and the, the, um, description is provided by Deluxe US. We have, um, Little Mermaid live action, which is a Walt Disney Studios production. And the description for that is provided by Deluxe US. Um, and then we've got, let's see. Um, Flash, Flamin' Hot, excuse me, Flamin' Hot. That's a Hulu Disney Plus production. And the description is done by Descriptive Video Works. Um, Emergency is an Amazon Studios production with the description done by WGBH Media Access Group. So those are the five um, films as well. That are going to be one film will be a people's choice audio description people's choice award winner and one series will be selected so we'll have two presentations and i think you're all going to be pretty excited about the winners of, of those two categories so that's a really important part of the gala it allows us to recognize both the studios for having audio description on their productions but it also gives us a chance to recognize and honor the audio description production companies that are such an important part of the audio description process and to really spotlight their work, which is behind the scenes and doesn't always get a lot of attention and spotlights. So I'm excited about that.
2: And At the same time, we get to bring in the community and hear from them and give them a chance to participate behind the scenes a little bit.
4: Absolutely. And I think it's super important to to have um, them, you know, them being the entertainment industry to um, to realize that our audio description consumers really are knowledgeable and have a really good ear for quality and want to be a part of this process as well. So.
2: I am really excited to say that I only have to experience one series and one movie to have experience with all 10 of these offerings, which is kind (laughs) of cool. A few years ago, actually many years ago, when I had uh, a different life and I was still with the Associated Press, I had the opportunity to go behind the scenes of how um, from start to finish the Oscar process for an article that I wrote for Entertainment Weekly, actually. It was a side project. Um, and I'm wondering, did you have to watch all 10? How? What's the process for us? How did the five get, you know, how did it get narrowed down to five and five? And ultimately, how was how a winner chosen?
4: So um, I think the the nomination process really was about voting. And, that, you know, so we came up with the top 10 finalists and they kind of, landed themselves almost naturally i think we had a tie and the audio description awards committee helped break the tie on that one but we um you know the they really did kind of sort out as series and films well we
3: we actually did ask people to um to so it was a two-part process yes that's Um, right so first we gathered the nominations we asked people submit one film and one series that you think have exceptional audio description and then we tallied up and you know I I don't and know made a ballot numbers, but that's yeah right. so yeah. we,
4: you know, took we had top. a second round ballot where you got to vote on what was nominated for um and then and then that's where we have identified the winner so that's still no, you no, know no, Im- no, the embargo without, top secret Wyndon exactly. To win. The
5: community decided to
4: win it. No, the winner. No, absolutely. It's a community vote. Absolutely. So,
2: a true people's choice award. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, Kim, is there anything really, um, either exciting or fundamental that you want us to know about the gala before you have to leave us?
4: Yeah. Well, there is a couple other things, and I'm sure Tabitha can fill in any gaps um, that I missed, but. On ACB Media um, on November fourteenth, prior to the the seven thirty time, there will be um, there will be some rebroadcasting of excerpts. Perhaps the entire show, I don't know, but at least this segment of Sunday Edition will re air. So will wow. some excerpts from Tuesday topics that um, Carl and I. Um, And Tabitha did um, about a week ago and also some excerpts from Visibilities where I was a guest and Carl was there as well. So that'll be like kind of a little bit of pre-show. And then um, Tabitha, I think you're involved with the um, watch party that's going to happen on ACB Media in the community and Clubhouse. Um, if you want to talk a little bit about that and then I'll follow up with the after
3: party. How's that oh, sound? Yeah. I'm, I'm actually not involved. with that. You're not. Well, I'm way too we'll much of an introvert up, for that. Yeah. So that was, uh, this will be no surprise. Cindy, it was Cindy, Cindy Hollis idea. and her <laughs> yeah. team
4: in clubhouse yeah. are going to have um, an opportunity where you can be um, on community in zoom or clubhouse and, You have to promise that you don't like jabber the whole time, but it's going to be kind of like open mic sort of. So when you hear an award winner, people can go, oh, yay, I like that. Or you can hear each other a little bit, but you're also listening to the show at the same time. So it's going to have that vibe of being with others while you're watching the show that's happening live. So it's just a little different twist, but it gives people a little bit of an opportunity to feel like they're not Home by themselves, but they're with they're with other friends and they get to exclaim and be excited about the winners and things like that. So I think that's gonna be fun. And then afterwards, last year we did an after party on Zoom and we invited listeners who had watched the gala to to join. And then we have we're hoping a whole lot of the people involved in the process from the planning committee to the people making the presentations in the production itself, to the winners of the awards, we'll join um, a webinar Zoom and be able to talk with each other. And then we'll also take questions or comments from the audience. And last year was a lot of fun. I had a really good time. So I'm hoping that it will be just as good for the after parties. So that will happen you know, right after the gala you want to tune over in Zoom to the after party for the AD Awards Gala, and join us for that as well. So, Carl, one of the why don't you talk a little bit about the um, kind of the purposes of the audio description gala? And I am going to drop off and wish you all the best for the rest of the program. And looking forward to having you all be there on November 14th. Thanks, Anthony, for the invite today.
2: Absolutely. And Kim, before you go, if you have the opportunity to drop in with us on the 19th, um, we would love it, love it, love it. But have a great time today at the show and uh, send me an email. Tell me how it was. (laughs) I will. Thank you. Bye now. You're welcome. Bye. So, Carl, before we go, um, before we go to the purpose and, and highlights of about the gala, let me just throw the Sunday Edition challenge out there now. Um, so, like I said, I'm, I'm encouraging folks to watch with friends and family who may not have experienced audio description much or at all, and maybe have some conversation about it. And what I'm going to do is ask folks to drop a note to Sunday Edition AC at. Gmail.com, and I'm going to pick about five folks to come on and talk about that experience on the 19th. So, you know, the first two thirds of the show will be dedicated to Decapita, um, and all of that great conversation. And then we will transition over and talk to some folks about that experience.
3: And, and I can also let you know that um, we are going to be showing clips from all of the People's Choice Award nominees during the, the program, and I think two of those clips we are doing with no video, only audio and audio description. So everybody's going to be in the same boat there for a couple minutes, so that could definitely be a teachable moment.
5: Never mind the fact that we couldn't get the video.
3: <laughs> We're making lemonade, Carl.
5: <laughs> but no, I, I actually agree, because That goes to the purpose of this gala, and I see it as threefold, well, threefold. One is to recognize the excellent work that's being done in audio description and have the consumers acknowledge the excellent work in the audio description is a three-legged tool, voicing, writing, and editing, and we wanna honor all aspects of the audio description. Two is to create a greater public awareness of audio description beyond the blindness community. We want other industry to be more aware of audio description and we want the general public to be aware of audio description. And this is another way of doing that. And third is to also act as a fundraiser. This is also a fundraiser so that we can continue to support the good work that the Audio Description Project does for the American Council of the Blind. So, so far, we have raised over $100,000, and you can also, from generous sponsors such as Disney, Amazon, Sony, Sony came in this year with $25,000, so we have, you know, ViTech. we have many corporate sponsors, but you can also donate individually at adawardgala.org. I just went on the other day and donated some money myself to support the great work the Audio Description Project does. So it, it's those three areas, one, to recognize the excellent work in audio description, two, to create a greater awareness of audio description at large, and three, to act as a fundraiser that support the great work that the Audio Description Project does. I also want to, if you don't mind, Anthony, I'd like to just, if we could start at the very beginning and talk about all the places this could be viewed, because I'm not sure that that was done at the beginning of the show. Would that be okay? Sure, absolutely. Okay. So, one, we can view it on ACB Media 1, okay, as everybody knows. You can view it. There'll be links to it at the ACB, at the Awards Gala at org website. It'll also be on the ACB YouTube channel. You can watch that live. And it'll also be on Peacock for those who have a subscription to Peacock. Both available to watch live and after the fact as an archive for about a month, it'll be on Peacock. So it'll be in all those areas and then eventually available as a podcast too. So it'll be available on multiple streaming platforms.
2: And for our Spanish members?
5: It'll be available on ACP. It'll ACB be on
2: ACP Media eight, 8 and there'll be a stream. Um, dedicated on Peacock as well. Do you know if there'll be an archive version of it as well?
5: Yeah, I believe it'll be on the ADAwardGala.org website. Yeah.
2: Okay, awesome. All right. So, um, Tabitha, can we play with you for a little bit?
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs>
2: Uh-oh, am I still no. here? Yes. yes. You are. Okay.
3: Well, you were. <laughs> Hmm. All right, well, Sheila, do you have any questions for me? <laughs> yeah, go ahead., um, and Anthony, yeah, he
0: he just jumped out. He'll be back. Okay. Uh, so so Tabitha, why don't you tell everybody how this whole thing began to begin with if you have been informed? Why oh. did we start the AD gala?
3: Well, like, yeah, Carl is probably, I mean, I'll so uh, I, it's, yeah. Do you want do you want me to start and you fill in the gaps, or do you just want to take it, Carl?
5: Um, well, I can start and you can fill in the gaps if you want, because Kim and I were both Tabitha was not even part of oh, the Audio description yeah. project when that started. Right. I didn't even know it existed, to be honest. I,
6: know.
5: I <laughs> right. know. So so it basically started as a way, to be honest, um, because we saw an explosion in the field of media. Where, where we've seen the most explosive growth in audio description in terms of dreaming services, cable, television, DVDs, movie theaters. And we wanted to do two things. Yes, and, and this was pre-COVID, so we were actually thinking of doing an in-person event with industry people and and having it inside a theater with, with awards and MCs, and then COVID happened. So, and it was originally um Kim and I think Tony Stevens thought of this to be as a potential fundraiser, it, uh, along with creating awareness and giving recognition. Then COVID happened and we decided to go remote and do it virtually. And actually that's worked better in, in my opinion, because that means everybody can participate. Everybody can watch this. You don't need to rent out a black tech, you don't, you don't need to fly to New York or LA. And you can get everybody involved to submit their video recording and things like that. And and industry now serves on the planning committee as we plan this throughout the year. We have folks from MBC Universal, we have folks from Paramount Global, we have folks from um, Descriptive Video Work, we have folks from Bridge Multimedia on the planning committee with us. We even had a gentleman from Lucas on the committee who was one of the award winners last year, Mike, Michael. Um, Home. And and so we so not only have having it virtually work, we've got industry to be a part of this planning committee and be with us along the way on how to make a better audio description of gala, And then having Tabitha on, which her her has made it even better this year because she has a background in writing and how to tell a story, and she's able to put all the pieces together to tell a story and 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 put together a cohesive award gala. So Tabitha, is there anything that I missed?
3: Um no, I think that's pretty complete. Although I can't really take credit for putting this story together because our producer Doug Rowland um is the one who kind of came up with the run of show and then that sort of thing. And yeah. he does and, a fabulous job. Yeah. yeah. And Doug Rowland
5: was a <clears throat> The producer is a producer from California who actually one was nominated for an Academy Award for producing a story about a deaf-blind individual a few years ago called Sense the Wind. I think it's called Sense the Wind, I hope. Um, something. And he is actually an award, Academy Award-nominated producer and director, so we're thrilled to have him help us put our product together. And this product will be open audio described so that nobody has to turn on audio description. And everybody, regardless of how you watch this or how you view this, will be seeing it with audio description.
0: Anthony has been able to return. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Thank you so much, which I think is so great. So um, point of personal privilege, Tabitha, I just have to tell you, your voice sounds exactly like one of my favorite soap opera stars. Um, Miss <laughs> Rebecca Hurst from General Hospital. She plays Elizabeth, if you ever want to check him out. Um, but talk to us a little bit about the evolution. Um, the second year added some exciting features. Um a our audio describer uh, jumped up into a the co-host role. And this year we have some industry participation as far as the hosts are concerned. But what other um, what other um, new and exciting changes? And talk about the evolution of the gala. Oh,
3: that's another Carl question. It's all new to me. <laughs> this is, um, yeah, I, I will say that um, we did get a little creative this year because we had you know, we were putting this together throughout the actors strike. So we were not able to contact and ask actors to come and present Mm. awards or, you know, provide sort of supportive testimonials, um, which I know had been part of the show last year. Because I did watch the show, um, listen to the show last year because I was interviewing for this job. And, um I saw this come up on you know the community schedule and I was like oh well if I if I'm interviewing for this job I should probably <laughs> pay attention to to what the ADP is doing um so I I tuned in and um so this year you know we we weren't able to get uh you know and, who, yeah
2: yeah
3: I, you and we feel
2: so me. very we feel so very much for the writers and actors who had to yes. strike to to yes. get some fairness. Do, do we mention it at all on the gala?
3: Um, we don't because we you know we were recording last month and we didn't really know what the situation would was uh, a- um, yeah, and you know we and of course we are working with people throughout the the process you know where we're we're working with network executives and production studios and actors. Um, okay. so you know, we definitely want them to all uh you know play nice and <laughs> um, and be fairly treated. Um, so we definitely support that. Um, but it, you know, it, it it, did sort of give us, I guess, a little room to, to be, you know, I, I mean, I don't really love the phrase, but, you know, think outside the box and, you know, like, well, we can't just default to, to actors. Um, so who, who else can we get? Um, so you know we do have some, some recognizable Hollywood names. We have Sean Levy, who was the director and um, I think uh, a producer of the recent- And as, as well as the writer. Oh, and was he the screenwriter as well? I didn't know that. Um, of uh, All the Light We Cannot See, which is um, on Netflix. I, I think right now, I think it, it um, went live mm-hmm. a couple days ago. Um, so so he, he came on and talked a little bit about that. Uh, but then we also have, like I said, you know, we have Barbara Hinskis, so We have um, writers. We also have Andrew Leland, who wrote *The Country of the Blind*. Um, we have our our own, our very own um, benefits of audio description and education essay contest grand prize winner. Um, Yay! Yeah, I know I love her. <laughs> She's on there. We've got <laughs> uh, we've got Paralympians. We have two Paralympians actually. Um, so you know we just thought of, of the
5: academy picture of motion pictures for the
6: academy
3: yeah, of what yeah, um yeah, we've got a, a nice testimonial from the academy of, of of motion pictures, people who do the Oscars um you know reiterating their commitment to accessibility and audio description so I think I think people will still be kind of you know surprised and excited by the guests, but you know we we did kind of cast a wider now. We've got some musicians um so. Yeah, so I think that was kind of um, you know a, a positive challenge this Anthony, year. I
5: would say that the most, the biggest thing in the evolution is the people choice. The first year we didn't have one. The second year we had one, but it was kind of done a hybrid dial between those of us on the planning committee doing some nominating and then some from the people choice. This year it was fully one hundred percent the people choice from the consumers. So that's been the biggest evolution. I would think that we are including the input of the consumers. The other thing is some of the categories are a little broader this year in terms of uh, you'll see when you see who the award winners are. It isn't strictly like Netflix and Amazon and Paramount. There are some smaller folks and some folks that are um, beyond the normal definition of media, which so we're so we're, we're looking at other people to do audio description too. So that the we've expanded who the awards go to. So I think it it it's more um it's more broad minded and and includes the people more.
2: You know what I loved about last year is that you know the companies and, and entities that were nominated and you know did not walk away with the recognition. A lot of them on social media and in other places congratulated those that did and and talked about we love that phrase it's just it's an honor just to be nominated um and and so there was a a lot of good-hearted post media about it and so hopefully this year we'll get even more extension and when folks in the larger community see how much attention is being paid for audio description it only brings that curiosity back to hopefully the American Council of the Blind and the audio description project. Um, before, at some point, a little bit later on, Carl, I do want you to talk about the website and and some of the changes that have been uh, happening lately. But why don't you and Tabitha banter back and forth and take us from that <laughs> the first concept meet <laughs> the first concept meeting um, to walking out of the studio, Tabitha, and knowing that you know. <laughs> you know, I, I, all of that. So, so
5: Carl, you want to was, start? Well, I'll just say quickly, the first meeting with Joel Snyder re- headed up the awards committee and with people that work in the industry and a few consumers, we all found nominations to be submitted for each category. Um, so, for instance, the Tabitha, name some of the categories, some of the award.
3: Okay, but don't 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 give examples. I don't want you to no, no, no. accidentally I won't say, give I won't away say what,
5: who won the award. Um, but okay,
3: I'll, but um, what, to, like
5: I'll give you an example: the Baby Lifetime Achievement Award. That that's been done every year, so we had to come up with an individual who would fit that category, or some and We have other um,
3: popular entertainment, innovation, live events. Right. Um, we do have gaming, uh, Spanish. Media um, USA, and then we also have an international.
5: Which, um, which are the Which are the same category? Mostly, we had the year before. So, and and we we came up with a bunch of nominations, had a discussion, and we had several meetings, um, and then came up with solutions. And then after that, I'd say starting in February, March, Tabitha and I'll let you go from there because you've been involved ever since.
3: Oh, well, I mean, I, I feel like I didn't really get very actively involved until they put me on the production. Um, I was just kind of um, watching other people do their thing because, um, you know, since it, you know I'm surrounded by people who have okay. such a, a, an in-depth history with audio description and the ADP, so, you know, Kim and Carl and Joel and Clark, I mean, you know, everybody else – have connections um, that that I that I don't have yet. So they got to kind of leverage their connections. So, what and... we, so then I
5: can tell you what we did next. Dan, Dan and I, and I think a few others, what we did is when's the date, the air date going to be? And once we all decided, meaning the whole planning committee, not just Dan and I, the whole planning committee decided what the air date was, we then created a schedule working backwards from that date saying, okay, the final print has to be in by such, in fact, the final print is already into Peacock this week. It's already in, even though this isn't airing for another 12 days. We worked and we did a schedule backwards of a timeline of when the awardees have to have their speeches, when the awards have to go out, when the script has to be written, when we're going to shoot a 330 Rockefeller Center. Um, so we did a backward schedule, and then we met every two weeks, trying to see if we hit those deadlines. And then a few other people were in the fundraising committee, Clark, I, Colby, um, uh, Jolien, um, Bill Reader. We went out and approached potential corporate vendors to sponsor this event so that we could pay for this video production, okay? And, and because you know, to to rent space and to shoot all these clips and to have a producer and an editor and a writer cost money. So we went and raised money and while trying to meet the timeline. And every two weeks we met, it was a combination of Tabitha, Kim, Dan, Clark, uh, uh, Kelly, who you all know who used to be, and then a number of industry people. Lori from NBC Universal, um, um, Mark Torrett from Paramount Global, Mark Cohn from Lucasfilms, um, an individual from Bridge Multimedia. We all had a planning committee and saw how we were doing meeting those target dates and, and getting the pieces and the assets into Doug and Tabitha to work with as they edit the final piece. And we've been, over the last two weeks, we've actually been seeing rough cuts and making recommendations on how to improve, say, the transitions. Or you forgot that you misspelled this title card, or you've got to tighten up the audio description here, or you got to do this. And we just watched the final. And now, at this point, whatever's done is done, because we're at the deadline where we have to get the assets out to to air live.
2: So one thing I know from you know working adjacent to the industry, entertainment industry for a long time is getting a, a bunch of different industry players together and meeting deadlines can be very, very challenging. So can you talk to us a little bit about you know how how you approach and you know keeping them on
5: target and getting those deadlines met? I think that's more Tabitha than me.
3: <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, for the most part, people were, um, you know, were were very responsive and and willing to help. Um, I'm not sure that we ever had, you know, like full attendance at our meetings. There was always at least one person who couldn't make it, and somebody else would join late. Somebody else would have to leave early. But you know, everyone was was very committed, and um, you know, some of the some of the assets, some of the, you know, video clips and, and recordings and stuff like that were, were kind of, you know, on deadline or the day after, you know, but um, there, there weren't any like, you know, disasters. I don't think (laughs) we thought, oh my gosh, we just can't get a response from these people. Um, So, you know, and, and I think that really speaks to the the strength of the ADP and ACB and audio description that all of these studios and and you know people who've been working in this in in the entertainment industry for a while and perhaps not always having done audio description are now you know very in, enthusiastic about it and and willing to to participate and, this, and eager to do so
5: and this gala was the least free I'm not saying they weren't stressful moments because they were, but this was the least stress-free out of the three galas we put together because we had put together, Dan and others had put together an incredible timeline to hit. We knew what target we would have to hit on such a such a date. And as long as we hit those targets, we were feeling pretty good. Um, so this was where Years past, we were learning, we didn't know what we were doing. This is our third one. We kind of now have an idea of what we're doing and how to approach it.
2: So, you know, thanks to the first two audio description galleries, there have been, you know, some movement in in the industry itself. You know, people that may not have paid as much attention or may have known, but you know, we're not using it on certain productions have have shifted their focus to, to include more audio description. So this year, have there been any side outreach, or, or I should say, have there been any extensions past the gala in conversation? Like, hey, you know, how do we get into the zorg? How can we make ours better?
5: I I don't Carl? I don't know if if. We have seen an increase in audio description. For instance, NBC just came out saying they're now going to produce 100% of their prime time programming with audio description. CBS is, yep. is already doing the same. So we have at least two networks. And actually, if you look at all networks, all nine networks are doing well beyond what's required under the CBA. I think we have seen more of an increase in the use of blind consultants in the creation of audio description, IDC last, you know, does a lot. And others, Netflix is doing some now. So I think we've seen an increase by us saying in the audio description gala, this is for and blind blind consumers. I think we've seen more of an increase in the participation of of blind professionals being involved in the whole process from the writing to the editing to the voicing. So I, I don't know that we've seen so, yes, there's always things we're doing behind the scenes, and and part of it is because of the audio description, gala, but part of it is also because of the outreach and the communication between industry and the audio description project.
2: So, for folks that are listening out there on ACB Media, um, a little bit into the second hour, we'll start opening it up for questions and comments. So, if you want to join us, grab that Zoom link off of the um, the weekend schedule that is sent out of the- um, and any Sunday edition link, it's it's always the same. So if you have an old one, just pop up and and is join it going us
5: until three o'clock. Yes. Oh, okay. I thought it was gone until two. Okay.
2: <laughs> so Tabitha, back to you. Um, I'm hoping that you won't mind giving us sort of a inch by inch uh, behind the scenes experience from you know going into the studio. What does the studio feel like? What you know? What did you learn? What did you learn? And and how did you feel? What, but definitely, what does the studio look and feel like? Make, paint that picture for us, please. Ooh, okay,
3: um, so I will. So it was my my first time. Um, I'd been in some, you know, sort of like student, uh, you know, at universities black boxes, um, but this was um, a lot a lot bigger. I also am told that the process was a lot smoother because um, they seemed to be getting used to us, um, you know. So we had to. You know, obviously there's security, so we had to get checked in and get our little passes, which um are very it's just like a piece of paper with a little, you know, clip-on badge. It's not even like a plastic coated thing that you get at conventions, but I kept mine anyway. <laughs> it's my souvenir. Yeah.
2: Um,
3: and and it was nice because I mean it's it's a huge building, lots of studios. So we had our own uh, you know, personal guide uh taking us up and um, we had uh, you know, a green room. I, I am colorblind, but I, I don't think that it was actually green. Um, and it was small. It was very, just a small room. There was a window and a, a couple chairs and there was a little teeny tiny kitchenette around the corner um, where we could uh, make tea or um, I don't think any, I don't know if there was coffee. I'm a tea drinker, so I didn't pay attention, but there were no M&Ms. That was my big disappointment because, you know, I've I've heard all the stories <laughs> about the rock stars and the in the green room being persnickety about what color their m are so there were no m but that's okay um so you know i i well conchita and i um both stayed in the same hotel the night before so we met up in the lobby and walked over um to to 30 rock together and met doug the producer and dorothy who did hair and makeup and um uh, and so you know, she was uh, she was in charge of 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 getting the the hosts ready for camera work. And you know, the hosts had each brought, I think, four or five different dresses um to to choose from to make sure that, you know, they weren't in colors that would clash or look weird on camera. Um, so there was a little, you know, wardrobe consultation. And I was just kind of sitting there feeling very relieved <laughs> that I did not have to fuss with any of that. And I was just kind of relaxing and, um, you know, review- making sure that I had my copy of the script in order. Um, it took a little bit of time for all of the tech side of things to get in order. They, um, so I, I had assumed, and I guess this is what I learned back in like, you know, the the nineties or something when the, you know, that you have just like a green screen and there's not actually an image behind you. And um, that image is put in later, but um, at least in this case, that wasn't true. They, they had sort of these huge, huge monitors and we had, you know, like the awards gala logo on there and, and stuff like that. So they had to get all of that loaded and they were using um multiple cameras and cameras that moved and across the room um so they had to get all of those really? things set up and coordinated i it was like, fancy <laughs> like, it wasn't like um you know uh you know just just one camera and you just talk into it it was it was pretty elaborate um so they found a the little stool for me in the corner out of the way and i perched on my stool with my laptop and um, uh, you know, and I was lucky because I didn't have any of the lights shining on me, because I know that those lights can get really warm. Um, but yes. I was, you know, in the the shade <laughs> over on the side. And, um, and then we, uh, we started with Conchita, and she had a, a bunch of little short introductions to do. And um, so yeah, I was just there in case she, she, you know, dropped a line or something like that. Because, um, you know it's kind of nerve-wracking like I don't know how they did it um you know just kind of doing the same thing over and over again and um they they played off of each other really well so Marilee had a slightly later call time and um so then she got her hair and makeup done and like I said they they were chatting and discovered they were from the same hometown um, we were going over some of the, the the script together um and you know and, and I had told them you know we we the production team wrote the scripts together but you know we don't have to say them so i told marilyn Kinchita, you know i want you guys to be comfortable so if we're putting words in your mouth that just sound really weird tell me and um you know we we can do some rewriting here to to make sure that you don't feel just you know like uncomfortable and, and unhappy <laughs> we want this to be fun so we did a little Uh, you know, wordsmithing there on the fly. And, um, and then it was really fun when they both were, um, were on set together and just really playing off of each other. And um, I think there are a couple little, little bits, I I don't want to spoil anything, but I think there are a couple little bits that will, will make people laugh. Um, And, and you can tell like they really were having fun, you know, they're, they're laughing, they're joking. Um, There was a a fair amount of of improv going on. Um, And uh, so we just kind of, you know, kept going. We worked through lunch. Our studio time was from 10 a.m. until two. Um, But, you know, it took a little time to get all the tech set up. So I don't think we actually got in there until a little after 11. Yeah. And they did let us stay a little bit later to, to make up for that. Um, so I was about ready to collapse by the end just because I was hungry and I hadn't even been <laughs> working that hard. So I don't know how Cantita and Marilee were still standing up. But uh, Marilee and I went out for uh. For lunch after went to a Cuban place I had some empanadas they were so good um so all in all it was oh, it was a great day man. in New York
2: <laughs> So for some of our listeners who may not be familiar with Marilyn and Conchita, can you tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about them
3: yeah um I to be honest I uh, well, I've I've gotten to know uh, you know about them I've heard their names since I've been part of the the ADP. Um, Marilee Talkington is an actress and a, sorry, an actor, um, and uh, I think also writer, director, producer. She kind of does everything. Uh, she's also a teacher. She started, um, oh, what's the name of it? I think it's the Ac- Access Acting Academy uh, to help teach um, acting to to aspiring actors who are blind or have low vision, um, she is legally blind herself, and she has appeared yep. in um, in television shows. Um, she's been on Broadway. She just recently, a couple months ago, was in um, Camelot at Lincoln Center Theater, um, which you know is, is part of the the Broadway world. Um, so that <laughs> really exciting. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I was a little starstruck there because I'm a my first master's is in theater, so I was just like, oh <laughs> gosh, she's been on Broadway. <laughs> uh, but she was so nice and and very warm and just a, a really great spirit. And um, Conchita, I had actually uh, met her at the American um, Foundation for the Blind conference back in April and I had it hadn't even clicked <laughs> until I kind of met her in person I was like wait a minute we've met she said yes we have I was like okay um and uh, she's also um an, an activist and she works um in Maryland and um, also has uh you know a, a teaching education um lean to you know to her career so um so it was you know, so I think they're just such great representatives and she's also legally blind, uses a cane um, and she has the cane there on set with her the whole time. You know, it's it's there right at front and center, um, nothing to be ashamed of. Um, so so it I. was just, yeah. So it was just really great to, to be with people who are so, um, you know, confident and accomplished and, you know, so invested in accessibility and inclusion and, um, you know, I think that the whole sort of aura that they brought to it was just very open and welcoming and encouraging. I think that really shows through, um, you know, in throughout the show itself. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun to to hang out with them and get to know them.
2: Well, I'm definitely jealous, though I've had my fair share <laughs> along along the way. Um, what surprised you about the process?
3: Um, I, oh. It's like on the day or the whole awards gala thing. I'm sorry. I uh, just on on the recording day or throughout the entire award scale. You know what? Both. Okay. Both. Um, I think about the entire awards gala. is just like how many people are involved. <laughs> it's just kind <laughs> of. It is amazing, um, and that's not you know a bad thing. It's um, you know they're. Definitely every now and then I look at the list of people who are, you know, attending the committee and I'm like, it's going to be like herding cats. Um, but once you get everybody there and they're just all, you know, enthusiastic and, you know, every time we asked a question in a meeting um, and, you know, like said, oh, do you think we could get somebody from the from the academy to, to do a little, you know, testimonial? And somebody was like, yep, I have a contact. I'll see what I can do. And, you know, made it happen. So it's just like everything, every time we asked a question, um, somebody there was just like, yep, we can absolutely we can we can find a way to to do that. Um so it was just a really positive experience. Um, but but yeah, there were just like wow, so many people. <laughs> I was putting together the end credits for for the video. And it was just like, oh my goodness, look at all these people. Um, but you know, the nice thing is like they all did do stuff, you know, like there's not a name on that list where I'm just like, uh, why is this person being listed? You know, they everybody Contributed something, um. So, so that was great. Um. But on, on the recording day, um, I don't know, because uh, I I have a, a smidgen of of a theater and and background, and one of my brothers was a a starving film student in New York years ago, and so I was in a bunch of his student films. <laughs> so, um. So I I kind of felt like I didn't exactly know what to expect, but um, you know, other than the M and Ms. Um, there there weren't very many, um, you know, disappointments. I think I was just impressed by, you know, how, um, how, how just on top of things, everybody was, you know, there was just a level of professionalism, um, you know, from Doug and Conchita and Marilee that, you know, it wasn't surprising. They are all professionals, but just kind of, you know, getting to see that, getting to see people do their thing, be in their element, um, you know, that's just, that's always a lot of fun. Um, and I, and Doug was great. He was, um, he was very calm. I think towards the end, I was starting to get a little anxious because I knew that we were running out of time, um, that, you know, we didn't have like all day in the studio, but, you know, Doug and Merrilee are just like, yeah, all right, we'll do it again. And I'm like, wow, they're, they're good. Nerves of steel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, um, sidebar question. I know that you're not the I want to be in front of the camera type, but if if you could have worked on any production, movie, television series, something, you know, if you could have had an experience with that kind of that kind, what would you choose?
3: Hmm. Um. I don't know. I, I I've been saying for years that um that you know if if I had sort of one of those, you know, sliding doors lives or something, I, 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 I want to be a torch singer. I just want to, you know, be draped over piano singing about the man, the one who got away and, um, you know, just uh, those great standards, Tin Pan Alley and stuff like that. So I think that if I'd ever had a film experience, I, I would have wanted to be like, you know, another Ginger Rogers or, or you know, Judy Garland or something, and just tap dancing my heart out and stopping to sing and, without you know having to catch my breath, <laughs> just uh, <laughs> yeah. So very. I, love it. I, but, I you know. love it.
2: I love it. I love it. I love it. Bryn, Sheila, uh, Lucy, do you, any of you have questions for Tabitha about the process or, or or about Tabitha herself?
3: <laughs> or Carl, don't forget Carl
2: well i'm gonna get to call in a moment oh okay Okay.
3: all right i don't want to be a limelight hog here we don't Uh, have any hands at
0: this time
2: uh do you have a do you personally have a question
0: what was it like just personally being in 30 rock i mean what was the did, did you were you in awe did you just you know no big deal what did you feel tabitha
3: um, it, I will say that I, I kind of got, um, so, you know, I haven't spent a lot of time on a set and I only did, you know, a year or so, you know, I did my first master's in theater, which was a year in London, um, studying at King's college, London and the Royal Academy of dramatic art. So it was, you know, stage work and I, I've never been in like an actual, you know, full public <laughs> production outside of, you know, like university or something, but um, but, you know, once theater is is in your blood, it's just kind of there. And so it, I actually did have a moment where I was sitting there. Um, I think it was when Marilee first came on set when it was her turn to do some stuff. And and um, she, you know, stopped to chat with me and, and I said, you know, oh, by the way, don't worry, I'm on book. And then I just said, oh. <gasps> I haven't said that for years. <laughs> it felt so good to just kind of use the little theater logo, you know, slang and, and and lingo there. Um, and um so so I did kind of feel nostalgic in a way, like I, you know, was getting to to do something that I I hadn't really thought about or, you know, and I was it was never something I pursued professionally, but I, you know, I still just have a deep deep love for it and um, so yeah so just kind of getting to to be around that um, that that atmosphere was yeah it was fun and there, there was a moment actually where I was just kind of like I wonder if I could ask if I could host next year
5: <laughs> <laughs>
3: nice <laughs> well, I, I have
5: been on dozens and dozens of television I know it's
3: Carl is so experienced
5: well no not for a long time my previous career before you know I do what I do now for a living. I was a production assistant and production coordinator both in Hollywood and then here in Boston. And then I went on to marketing at WGBH. But I am jealous of Tabitha only because every time I walked onto a set, I felt like it was Christmas day, every single time. That excitement of of just being there, even if you were behind the camera and, um, I would have loved to see how they do it now technologically, because she's yeah. right. Back when I did it, we did do green screens and now now or blue screens and now they're doing it sounds like monitors with image backgrounds behind mm-hmm. you. Yeah. And they probably did all robotic cameras, right? Where they were all controlled from one person in a in a uh, on a laptop, right?
3: I think so. I actually didn't I didn't ask and I couldn't see um because of the the lighting. Um, i couldn't get a real get me my eyes aren't that great obviously anyway um also legally blind um but i i do know at one point they were like you know calling somebody in a different room to right. change it, yeah. to, to change something room. you know yeah. <laughs> so yeah
2: they're in, in, a, the, they're in a control boat
5: yeah but but it's different we used when i started we had men at the cameras and they would just switch in the Men at the cameras had the headsets on and they would listen to what the director would say, zoom in on there, and then inside yeah. the control room they would manually switch. Now it's all robotic.
0: Absolutely. What was it like oh. meeting Joe, Tabitha?
3: Oh, I didn't um like and um just um Joe just okay? uh-huh. He wasn't there. Oh Oh, yeah, he wasn't there in person. Um, he was on the production team, so I I did get to chat with him a lot. Um, and he was so much fun. He's the nicest guy. (laughs) Um, He's a cool guy. Yeah, yeah. I was the only um production. Well, I mean, Doug obviously, but um, I was the only one who could make it there in person. Yeah,
5: with Tabitha, Doug, the hairdresser, and the two talents.
2: So, Carl, I think you know, not by age, but but by you know involvement so to speak we could call Joel our granddaddy of audio description and you and Kim would most definitely be mama and Papa so <laughs> you know seeing seeing the gala in its third year and and the you know the awareness that it's broad and hopefully the funds you know that will continue to come what is you know that that we're we're about to air the third one what does that all mean and feel for you I wish Kim was here. To share her perspective as well but what how does that feel personally
5: well one it means that we've gotten a greater acceptance of what audio description is from where we first started the audio description project 13 years ago when we only had it on pbs and maybe cbs because they ignored the fact that the mandate was killed and they said they had a commitment to do it so i think it was basically pbs and cbs doing it in some theaters now now we have dozens of people on cable and TV doing it. We have many streaming services doing it voluntarily. We have almost every single major motion picture in the theater audio described. In Boston, we have there is no weekend that doesn't go by. I can't choose at least one performance to go to with audio description. Um, so, so you know, it it we are now at a point where there's greater acceptance of audio description. And I think we've gone from saying it's nice to have to, it is our right to have. Yeah. Okay. I think that's the most important thing. We not only want it, but we expect it. Okay. And that's, that, yep. and, and we not only expect it, but we want it to be good. We want it to be, quality audio description so for years we were fighting for quantity audio description and we still need more quantity don't get me wrong but now we're at a point where we're discussing what makes for quality audio description yes it, you, need, you it, need good writing you need you know it it it's all those things and more
2: and the gala also helps um us say legitimize what's a good word? um it it brings the awareness to the folks that produce it that you know from from the describers themselves to the writers the quality control to the process with such you know so much more awareness the industry is paying attention and you know i've told this story many times my sister uses audio description because she's a busy mom and needs to multitask and doesn't want to miss certain things on her favorite television shows um and so she's a a consumer of audio description which is like a secondary benefit but also at the same time, you know, it's it's an awareness level thing. um, And the back catalog, I, I'm sure, but there's probably a different word for it. I know that's that's a musical term. But there's so much back catalog that's being reintroduced with audio description. And that's great as well.
5: And I think a lot of that, yes, that one thing. And I think some of that has to do with the writer's strike and the actor's strike, too. So they still need to maintain, providing a certain amount of content. But they've also gone back and look at their shows. We're also seeing more of a willingness for industry to share and communicate with each other and share files. We still have a long way to go, but but they're sharing content now so that when it goes from one service to another, it's more likely the files will carry than not. Um, We're even seeing a bit of a competition. Last year during the People's Choice Award, there were two sci-fi titles that were neck and neck, Uh, Picard, and I think the other one was Star Trek, I can't remember which Star Trek it was, but one of the Star Trek shows, and CBS and Lucasfilm were having a bit of a social media war. Don't let the other sci-fi show win, you know? I mean, and those were two global international companies fighting for the bragging right to having quality audio description. So that was kind of cool. So um, we're seeing more of an awareness, and it's my hope that we also look, and you mentioned a little bit about your sister, watching audio description. I would like to see this used for, say, people on the spectrum, for people who are elderly, who can't uh-huh. maybe have, um, may have a little, may need a little help focusing. I think audio description can be used for many, many things. Um, so, so we're just trying to create more public awareness and more expansion, and hopefully this will lead to even helping the passage of the new CVTA, which we just introduced with Senator Markey, asking for 100% of audio description on television, because that needs to be reauthorized if we want more audio description. So it, it it's a small piece of the pie to the overall work that the Audio Description Project is trying to do.
2: Absolutely. I'm going to share another personal story for a moment. Um, my sister and I love the movie Heartbreakers um, I, and Sigourney Weaver and Jennifer Love Hewitt. A uh, great movie, if, if nobody's listened to it, nobody's ever listened to it. Um, and, you know, we've watched it hundreds of times. And the first time we watched it with audio description, my sister was like, oh, my God. She, it, there's a part where she slips a waiter a bribe to pretend that she's actually, or to you know, carry the deception that she's a Russian woman, um, and it happens so fast. I had I had caught it in, in watching it. My sister had never actually caught that that moment, and she's like, "Oh my god, that's what that is!" Oh my gosh, she she slipped them a hundred dollar bill in the hand. So it's you know, it, it's 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 definitely something that. Um, and again, I'll go back to the Sunday edition challenge in a little while, but that, you know, it, it can also bring us together a little bit more in a way that's a little, that's more inclusive for everyone. Well, and um, but
5: culturally too, that, right? Yeah, and, that's what I mean. Yeah,
3: yeah. And this is, this is actually in the, I'm sorry, I have to excuse myself, my second master's is in international relations. And so I did try to kind of bring in disability rights whenever I could and, so the un has the convention on the rights of persons with disabilities and one of the, the elements that they highlight as being key to inclusion is social um you know it's it's education it's employment but it's also social and cultural and you know, that's what full inclusion is if everyone around you is talking about a show that they love and you're left out then you know that's that's not equity yeah. Um, so, so it's very important to have access to, to the same sort of cultural and social touch points that, that everyone else has.
5: Yeah. Like right now, everybody's going to go back and watch the the show Friends because of the recent death of Matthew Perry, you know, and, and that was part of a cultural phenomenon Mm -hmm. several years ago. And now people can watch that without your description on Mac. Um,
2: absolutely. Sex in the City is another example. The, the reboot and just like that. For you know, not forced. Um, you know, get, create an opportunity for a lot of people to go back and rewatch the original series. Yeah. Um. And you know, and and I have to say, the audio description on the original section on both, really, but uh, the audio description on the original series is so phenomenal. Oh wow. Um. But Carl, <laughs> the, oh, you know what? Go to season one. Just give it a couple of episodes, and I promise you, you'll be hooked. <laughs> well,
5: and I watched, and I just recently watched Casablanca for the first time without. Yeah. And that's
2: the back catalog, like we're talking about. See, and, and Casablanca I mean, is a movie you can watch. When I say with so I've many,
5: seen, when I say I've seen that movie no fewer than 40, 50 times. That's probably true. But and I exactly. thought I thought I had seen it all and knew it all. I was wrong. It, yep.
2: Exactly.
5: Yeah. Yep. They, they were things like, "Oh, I didn't know that." Humphrey Bogart gave that nod so that this person could play the you know, that sort mm. of thing. So it yeah. so, so it it um it added a lot to the movie.
2: So Carl, tell us um, about the audio description project itself. Tell us a little bit about the website. And then after that, we'll see if anybody wants to chat with you guys.
5: Okay. So and t- I'm going to ask Tabitha to jump in as audio description project coordinator because she oversees the overall goal and mission of the audio description project. But we have we we are a committee within the American Council of Blind. And the committee's goal is to advocate for both quantity and quality of audio description in all areas of audio description. Now while the game is mostly about media, meaning streaming, theater movie theaters, television network, audio description is so much more it theater it performing art it museum it parks it uh, government videos it it um, education it's so much more and we have several subcommittees to address all those issues. Our first subcommittee is the section 508 committee shared by Pat Sheehan and they, Section 508 is part of the Rehabilitation Act of 1973, where it basically says that all government materials must be accessible, and that now includes audio description. And that committee has actually expanded and grown quite a bit within the last few years. So you should start to see more and more government-sponsored videos with audio description. We have the Performing, Performing Arts art subcommittee, which is shared by our very own Sheila Young, who is on this call. Sheila, do you want to talk about that committee?
0: Sure. Um, Performing Arts, Museums and Parks subcommittee is one of the subcommittees under the ADP. And our committee oversees performing arts, as it says, the live theater. It also does museums such as the Wright brothers and uh, Holocaust of Houston. And uh, I mean, there's just more the White House, the you name it. And then national parks, which we work with very closely with the D project, the unit description project, which is done with um uh-huh, rangers from the different parks. And we help The blind community helped them describe their brochures. And that's with Dr. Brett Oppegard out of Hawaii. And it's a wonderful program. But so that's what our subcommittee covers.
5: Then we have the award committee, which not to be confused with the award gala, which we're doing next week in the week and a half. This is the ADP Award Committee, which looked at the areas outside of media where the awards are announced at our annual convention in July. And we look at theater, we look at museums, we look at research, um, international, and things like that. And that committee uh is chaired by Jeff Tom. Then we have the convention committee, which is chaired by Kim Shelton, which creates the materials and content. Where we have sessions at the annual convention in July, and and every year we have a different session on a, on different aspects of audio description with people that actually work in the field of audio description, and that's always a lot of fun. We also have the Beatty Committee, which I'm going to let
3: Tabitha tell about. Um, I, I know Carl knows this is uh, one of my favorite committees, <laughs> so. Uh, BABY stands for Benefits of Audio Description in Education, and it is an essay contest for young people ages 7 to 21. Um, We have four different categories, so we don't have seven-year-olds competing against 21-year-olds, don't worry. Um, And uh, what we ask the students to do is access a uh, a film or a TV show with audio description. Um, we try to steer them towards um, the the catalog um, held by the Described and Captioned Media Program (DCMP), who are our partners, um, our co-sponsors in the the Beatty Essay Contest. And um, so they, you know, they they watch, listen to something of of their choice, and then they write a little essay. And I mean we are talking like, I don't know, three, four hundred words, pretty short. Um, but they they provide a little critique of of the audio description. So not um not the film or or you know, video TV show um itself, but the audio description and kind of assessing how the audio description enhanced their their you know experience or you know, hopefully did not detract from it, but you know, they're they can be honest um and and so you know again like this is my first year um so you know just reading those essays when they came in in the spring um it was it was so much fun just to see uh you know the the engagement from from these from these students and I think you know one thing that I, I really noticed and loved and we've kind of, you know we've been talking about this the power of of inclusion and of um you know just sort of expecting that that yeah stuff is going to be audio described and you know so many of them talked about that in their essays like how great it was to yeah. be able to understand what their peers their sighted peers were were watching and and also just you know a couple of them did say you know why why isn't there more why isn't everything audio described why do i have to go to a special place and the special collection. Yeah. In order to get this, why isn't it just everywhere? And and I just, you know, I don't have a good answer for them. You know, just like okay, well, you know, we're working on it. <laughs> um, but but it was just, it's so great to kind of see them doing some of that self advocacy. Um, you know, just starting starting so young to kind of speak up and say, hey, I want this access. I want this inclusion. Um, but, but yeah, I just, I really, I, I love the baby contest. So we, um, the committee works to, um, you know, to, to publicize it, get the word out, um, to, uh, you know, to get as many entries as we can. Um, I've I've set rather a lofty goal. I want I think like 70 entries this year. So if anyone out there is listening and you know a, a, a teacher or a student, um, you know spread the word for me, <laughs> help me meet my goal. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then um, you know then we read the essays and you know have the the tough decision of choosing. Um, I think we have first, second, and third place winners in each category, and then a grand prize winner.
2: Um, so yeah.
5: and, that committee is
2: and we're huge by- fans oh i'm sorry i'm no, uh, we're huge fans here on sunday edition we've had jason several times mm-hmm. we've had alan Beatty winners um and so we promote it as well and 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 definitely reach out go ahead carl
5: i would just say that committee is shared by susan glass and myself yes yes and then i think we only have one committee left subcommittee left unless i forgot any others uh, the media subcommittee, which I coach, I chair, and that has to do with basically theater, um theatrical cinema, I should say, not theater, not live theater, cinema, streaming services, network, cable, DVD, streaming services. And I would, and and that made up of a lot of people. I would say the most exciting thing we've seen in the last couple of months on that committee is we're seeing websites and streaming services we never necessarily heard of now starting to offer audio description. There's one called Curiosity that just started doing some audio description. There's the Availability Film Festival now that just started doing audio description. So we're seeing smaller niche websites that we didn't necessarily reach out to and ask for them to provide audio description and yet they're doing this. So this is an example of that greater public awareness that we were talking about earlier, Anthony. So, and there's there's four or five of them, and I can't name them all right now, but there's four or five of them that I'm like, wow, and so that, and all these committees have about total, I would say about 25, 30 individuals and dedicated individuals to work on audio description made up from the members of the ACB community and some industry folks as well. And um, we also have a web presence if you want me to talk a little bit about that yes okay so we have we have a website adp.acb.org and on it first of all is a list of all those committees we just mentioned as well as a list of state by state some of the museums and theaters that provide audio description but if you but that list is lacking not lacking but isn't complete i should say so if anybody ever knows of museums or theaters that are providing an audio description, please email Tabitha or or get in touch with the ADP website and we'll make sure it gets added. We also have a list of all, in terms of media, this is where we're the strongest, but to, under Tabitha's direction, we will be redoing the website fairly soon. It'll have a new look and new information but right now we're strongest in the area of media information. So you can find out what's on any of the streaming services from Netflix to Disney to Prime Video to to Hulu to iTunes to, and I'm not going to mention them all because I don't remember them all off the top of my head, but they're all there. Um, And there's DVDs. And also you can find out what's on Your television network on a particular night, or what's on a particular network, and if you look at the audio description project master list, we're now approaching almost eleven thousand titles. Is that right, Tabitha? Or certainly over ten thousand
3: titles? Um, We are over ten thousand. I can't because it 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 tends to change because um, you know sometimes uh, just themselves will not be available. Um, you know, so it, I think I can't remember what the last number was from from Fred, our webmaster, but it was like, yeah, it was solidly over maybe ten thousand four hundred or something like that. Yeah, can't ten remember. thousand titles, but, yeah. guys.
5: So yeah. we have a lot. You have a lot to watch. I mean, you have a lot to choose from. Um, but so the website is a valuable resource. Um, within the next six months, we should start seeing some. Th- hopefully six months. There's a lot of changes going on at A to B. So we don't know when the exact timeline is, but hopefully within the next six months, you're going to see a new mainstream, new look, new editorial content. Um, and, and, and we're going to refresh the website so that it, it, it it's more broad and appealing to everybody at large, not just the blind community, but also keep the functionality and the information that the blind community has come to expect.
2: Absolutely and definitely a shout out to Fred. Um, and what I love is is uh, when I'm perusing my socials and I see, uh, you know, Netflix added these titles and A and E or or another network added these titles or these movies are now part are now audio described. Um, so shout out to Fred who who uh, does the back the behind the scenes website style.
5: Absolutely, Fred is the hardest worker.
2: <laughs> all right, so let's check in. Sheila, do we have any hands?
5: I hope so. No, sir. Oh, God, we have Tabitha. I that, that leaves it up to you, Tabitha, to fill up the space in the next 30 minutes.
2: <laughs> Come on, folks. If you're out there and you have some questions or comments, please join the Sunday edition and link it, and get that hand up.
5: And it doesn't have to be just about the gala. It can be about anything audio description.
3: I think it's just we're so thorough. We've, we've answered all the questions before. People had a
2: chance to ask them. Absolutely. But you know what? Let's talk about Dr. Joel Snyder for a minute. Um, He is being recognized this year. So uh, Carl, tell us a little bit about how the Audio Description Project came to be and who Joel is in the world of audio description.
5: All right, so Dr. Joel Snyder started in the field of audio description almost 40 years ago. uh, what's the organization in Washington, D.C.? Can somebody help me hear the National Ear? Washington, oh, Washington Ear? Ear, I think. Yes. Yeah. And he started out by doing, um, reading with a radio reading service, reading comic books and comic strips, Sunday comic strips. And as he read the Sunday comic strips, he would describe them. And that's how he started out. And then he obviously went and got a you know, master's or PhD in audio description and had been involved in doing audio description for live theater, television. At one point in time, he was the head of audio description for um, uh, a company that did all their audio description. MTI, National Caption and Institute, who did all their audio description for ABC. He's written a book called The Visual Made Verbal which has now been produced in several languages, and it's also available on BARD and Bookshare for anybody who's interested, where he talks a little bit about the history of audio description and what is audio description and what makes for good audio description. It's definitely worth reading. He started the Audio Description Project 13 years ago, and I wasn't involved in the Audio Description Project quite yet then, but he started it, I think, when Kim Charlton was president of ACB, and he approached her, and they both agreed. Because Kim's also been involved on, in the field of audio description as an advocate and consumer for since the very early days of audio description when WGBH invented it for television and, and theater. She's also been involved very much as an advocate. So they both started it. Joel started it. And he was the director of the audio description project for about, oh ten 10 years. And then he... Stepped down to be senior consultant and founder, and Joe Lynn took over for about, oh, I don't know, a year, a year and a half, Joel Lynn Bailey Page. And then we brought on Tabitha, our first full-time audio description project coordinator. But Joel has been involved in not only in the creation of audio description, and the education of audio description, he does seminars all over the world on audio description, so he has worked with people all over the world internationally, and is also involved in the research and academics of what audio description is on an intellectual level. He has also taught many of the people that work in the field of audio description now through his Audio Description Institute that we now put on twice yearly. Um, we We started doing those a number of years ago at our convention but now we do them remotely online, and there'll be another one coming up in the winter. So stay tuned for the Audio Description Project website if anybody wants to consider joining that institute and learning more about audio description. So Joel has been involved in all aspects from the research and development, creation of, producing of, education of, and this year he notified us that He still wants to be involved a little bit, but he wants to step down from the audio description project because he now feels like it's in good hands with the likes of Tabitha and others in the field of, you know, that the audio description project, he'll still be involved. I have a film, he'll still be. He's ready to
2: pass the torch. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. But, But he is. But he also is doing some other things. He's still doing some work with his company as Audio Description associate, creating a lot of audio description, but he's also in the process of trying to create an archive of all the materials he's created over the last 40 years and trying to find a home for that.
2: Wow, this, and so um, is is the Lifetime Achievement Award still named what I what um, we're used to?
5: The Barry Award? Yes it's still named after two gentlemen, two Barry's. Um, one was Barry Cronin, and um, the other one, Barry, I am um, forgetting. but yes, no, the Barry Awards are still the Barry Awards. Isn't
0: it Levine, Carl?
5: Yes, it is. Thank Levine. you. Barry Levine, who was very much involved in audio description as well, and we figured since the two Barry's were very much instrumental in the creation of audio description, and since this the gala was more tied to remember media at the time, and it was Barry, Dr. Barry Cronin from WGBA, who invented the concept of audio description for television, which led to the explosion later on of streaming services and theaters and cinema theaters and other things that we felt. It, and Barry Levine was, at a blind person and a strong advocate, um, we just felt that it was appropriate to name it after those two gentlemen.
2: I'm going to switch gears for a minute, and Sheila, if any hands come up, please let us know. Um, I'm going to switch gears for a little bit. There's a lot of conversation about synthetic audio description. Um, Can you give us some thoughts on that and if there's any advocacy around, um, you know, human human over synthetic description? So
5: uh, this is... This is going to be dependent on who you talk to, because I bet even within this group here, there's a difference of opinion. I will tell you, I'm not a huge fan of uh, text to speech audio description because I don't feel like it can understand the intent and the um, of how why you're using certain words and phrasing at the time, like if it's a comedic scene, if it's a. The other thing is, I don't think they mix text-to-speech the same way they mix well.
2: voices yeah.
5: um, in terms of audio ducking. So I don't think the quality, I think it'll get better. But I, as a hard-of-hearing person, and that's the other thing, is I I come from a perspective of a person who has a dual sensory loss of vision and hearing, and I will tell you that I don't hear synthetic voice the way I do human voice, because I've learned to hear what human voices say into and, an, and, and, and hear what they say. But I'm not a huge fan of it. But there are others who say it's not better than nothing. That's not the right word. But if it means that you mentioned earlier in the show, back catalog. So if it means that I can see all the movies that are never going to be audio described, say, from the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, until audio description started really more in the 2000s. But if it means I can see all these 60 years of content that's never going to be audio described, I'll do it. So it's controversial. We did pass a resolution a few years ago at the ACB convention that... um, not everybody was a fan of audio description and wherever we could we would advocate not to have it that changed a little bit philosophically because we know it's coming no matter what like ai right we know it's coming so what can we do we can advocate for quality audio description with detective speech meaning use good voices use good editing use good ducking use good um, things like that, and work to make it a premium quality prod- product. If you're going to go that route, we would still prefer human narration. But if you're really hung up on doing this, um, then then let's make sure it's done well and correctly.
2: Yeah, there's nothing worse than you know listening to the opening of a movie, and then all of a sudden a beyond loud robotic voice comes on and and, and the mixing, and you're like, oh god, it. I can't watch an hour or, or an hour and 45 minutes with, you know, whatever the length of, of that program or movie is, you know, with, with the volume of the audio description overshadowing everything within the program itself.
5: I, I um, agree with you wholeheartedly, but not everybody does.
2: <laughs> um, all right. Sheila, I'm guessing no hands yet.
5: No, sir. Tabitha, how do you feel about synthetic speech?
3: Um I yeah I I agree with you guys um I mean I will confess that I I listen to a lot more books than I I do television um but you know whenever I listen to a book I listen to a real person um and you know I I know some people will you know get a Kindle book or you know something from Bookshare and just listen to you know the the computer voice read it, and some people are totally fine with that. And I've actually heard um, people say that that they prefer that, that they don't want somebody else's interpretation or emotional, uh, yeah, emotional interpretation kind of clouding their own perception. Um, that they they like just kind of a, a straightforward, I guess, if you will. Uh, reading, but I I can't I don't like it at all. Um, I can't do it. Um, but it, it is interesting because um, a friend of mine um wrote a book um, a history of 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 talking books, and and that was actually a debate kind of early on. Um, and so you can listen to this like if you listen to some of the really old recordings on Bard you know, you've just got somebody reading a book. Oh no. She cried running towards the door in haste. Um, you know, and so, and and you're supposed to, to put the emotion in with your head somehow. Um, so I, I don't really like that. I would prefer someone said, oh no, she cried running towards the door in haste. Um, you know, I want a little, um, a little emotion there. You you Um, told me Tabitha. (laughs) <laughs> that was that was without practice. So, um, so uh, you know, I, so I, I think a similar kind of thing goes for. Um, so a
5: good audio description, as well. a good audio description narrator. You don't want them to oversell the audio description and take mm-hmm. away. It's like a music composer. You want them to add to it, not to overshadow. Mm-hmm. And yeah. a good audio description narrator will come in at about a 6 out of ten. Right? They don't want to be complete completely emotionless. This is Carl talking. This isn't what I think. But in my opinion, they should be around a thick, a five and a thick, a with some minor emotion but not so much emotion that they override and take away from the storytelling.
3: I mean, I think you know, yeah. this is something that I have learned since starting this job, you know, that there is a discussion about um, you know, yeah, like how much emotion is too much, how much description is too much. Um, yeah. Should there be more interpretation? You know, should we be told not that someone is crying, but that someone is um, you know, crying with joy or, you know, heartbroken or, you know, like what what sort of interpretive parameters should there be? Um, and, and I just think it's really fascinating that people are having in, these discussions.
5: Well, um, and we're having in like a children folk program for PBS the narrator should be more emotive for those, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a children's show, right? And you want them to be, the children to be. And, it's, show. The, the and other, it's
2: their, it's part of their job to draw them in. Right. Um, I, That I absolutely agree with.
5: The other thing we're starting to have a discussion about, which is fairly new within the last couple of years, is cultural competency. Um, You know, in terms of, and we can thank Thomas Reed of Read My Mind Radio for this a lot. He's been bringing this to a lot of people's attention, justifiably so. and and uh, others. And do we want to make sure that if you're watching a movie, say, like the Black Panther, that we, we describe that in a way that is culturally correct, you know? And, and also, if you're not watching a movie, do you describe a person of color? In a movie, I would argue, yes, you do. There are some that would argue, no, you don't. But but a sighted person immediately gets to see whether that's a person of color on the film. So why shouldn't a blind and visually impaired person? So that's another discussion we're having. How do you describe people of color, gender orientation across the
6: board? You know. So what? And body types is, too. This yeah. is Bryn. Um, you know, one thing I really like. Uh, about audio description is if the gender of the person has not been discussed or revealed um, in the movie, uh, I I have noticed sometimes audio describers will say they and them, they, and yeah. it's not like oh this person is non-binary. It's just that like the gender is is unspecified or isn't relevant, um, and I have mixed feelings about that because on one hand I'm like yeah cool I love I love the idea of of, you know, first of all, non-binary representation is great. And anytime the person is, you know, explicitly non-binary, let's use they and them. Um, but on the other hand, uh, you know, it is nice to know if a sighted person can make assumptions about the gender. It's nice to know as a blind person, you know, what, what the gender is assumed to be. So it's kind of a sticky wicket. Uh, yeah, but definitely I, a sticky wicket. Yeah, and I do, but I do love when I hear they and them in audio description, because on one hand, it's sort of like a nod you know, a nod to that. It's like, yeah, cool representation. That's nice. That's
5: something I didn't, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't picked up on that. So that's interesting. Um, I'll have to pay more attention to that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention.
6: Yeah. So I have a question for you. Um, So, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, what the what the narrator should be doing as far as audio description. But what I would love to hear from from both of you is, you know, the person who's doing the audio mixing. Uh, What are some what are some examples of a bad mix uh, or, or a mix that takes you out of the movie? And then what are some things that that they do as far as the audio mix that make you happy? Good question. Brent. Thank you.
5: Um, uh, So, I like to hear all components, so even, because, for instance, I collect movie soundtracks, um, either download them or get them on CD, because I'm a film buff, and I collect movie soundtracks. So, I want to hear the movie score, as well as the audio description, as well as the background noises, And and I think the the blind and low vision community has enough um, delineation that they're able to hear all those things. So when the ducking is poor and overwhelmed, sometimes you will hear them lower one aspect of the track to get the audio description in. I don't like, I like a proper mix where the sound levels are all done so you can hear all components. Um, Sometimes uh, you don't hear the audio description when there's an action scene in the, The explosions and the guns and the, you know, overwhelm that. So you need to be, I, this is where I am going to be very strongly opinionated. We, some of the reason why I'm somewhat opposed to -to text-to-speech as, as a way of audio description for the narration is because that is done with computer, editing on a computer. I think you need to have editing done by human hand, so that they can put in the proper balances and the proper ducking and, the proper, so you, you can hear all components of the film at the correct time, because, you know, you are going to have to, um, I don't know, Bryn, you're more into the field of editing than I am. Am I making sense?
6: Yeah, absolutely. So like I, I can tell you about a personal experience I had this week. Um, uh, the day after Halloween, my roommate and I were still, in the mood for, uh, as we like to call around here, boo scare. We wanted some more boo scare. And uh, so we ended up watching The Conjuring. And I commented, I said, you know, I think the person who edited this must have had the 5.1 or 7.1 surround track when they edited in the description, because it sounded like the audio description was always meant to be there. It sounded like you know, when you watch these true crime videos on YouTube and they have the narrator over the reenactment yeah. describing what's happening, you know, it sounded like it was meant to be there, but then you've got that audio description. The yeah. But then you've got audio description, like in a lot of Marvel movies where they just duck down all of the music, yeah. all of the sound effects, and even some like superfluous dialogue way in the background. um, And they just duck it all down and they steamroll the audio description over the top and it's just like i really want to hear the explosions and the punches and the grunts and the you know i want to hear the sounds i want the audio description to feel like it was always meant to be there right
5: so one of the things that we've been working on with industry is so that sometimes when we get when what they uh i think all those movies and that the marvel movies are now on disney And they, I don't know where they got the files from originally. They could have already gotten the files already mixed. And one of the things we're suggesting now is when the services share the video content, that they sidecar the audio description file, meaning that they provide the audio description as a clean file, not mixed with anything. So the services that get the video and the file can then mix it on their own, appropriate for however they're going to... um, uh, provide the, 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 video or film. And that's one of the things, because sometimes a company will not, for instance, if it comes from TV, where audio description is awful often in mono, by the time you get to the streaming service, they can't project it in, in Dolby Atmos yeah. or surround sound. But if you give them a clean file, that's not mixed, they can then mix it and create that product that you want to talk about.
6: There are, There was this podcast I listened to called, uh, I believe it's called 20,000 Hertz and it's all that was amazing. Yeah. And it's all spelled out like the words. And they, they talked about how movies are mixed for movie theaters and large, you know, like in-home theaters in mind. And they're not mixed for what most people have, which is, you know, flat screen TVs with maybe a sound bar if you're lucky. And um, so, you know, they talk about how, why is it that lately dialogue has become harder and harder to understand in movies and Uh that that's because it was all mixed with different audio setups in mind. They don't mix it for, you know, crappy TV speakers in mind. Um, and so they, they just, it was really interesting how they showed an example of a movie from the seventies and then a movie from today and how the dialogue has taken almost like a backseat to all of the other sound effects.
5: Yeah. So, so I think this goes to Dr. Schneider and, and others will say that audio description is actually a three-legged stool. And if any one of those legs are not done well, this stool will fall over. So in the three legs are writing, voicing and editing and editing is certainly an equal because uh, Anthony or what did Bryn, it was one of you two mentioned that you, if it, I think it was Anthony, when you said at the very beginning, if it's bad, you're going to have a hard time watching it all the way through. It's already going to take you out of the picture.
2: Absolutely. So, I am going to shift gears for a moment and pull Tabitha back Absolutely. into the conversation. Um, in March, I am going to experience a musical that I, I saw when I still had sight, um, Audio Described. And I, I've seen two performances so far in my blind journey, Audio Described. Um, and I and I am really going to be paying attention to, you know, what, how, because I I to, Disclosure: It's Hamilton. Uh, there's a lot going on in Hamilton, so I'm <laughs> oh, no. I, I'm really interested in in seeing you know how much is is um hurried not hurried through but you know how much description can they get in in a musical that has that much you know songs slash dialogue. Um, so Tabitha, can you talk to us a little bit about audio description in in theater?
3: Uh no, I <laughs> I think Sheila's gonna have to take this one. I have actually never seen um a, a live play audio described. Um the last time I was in a theater was in January. I am sorry for putting you on the spot. Oh <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. I've I've got I've got backup. That I mean this is one thing that I love about the ADP is that you know I, I am new to do audio description and i have got so much backup you sheila, know every you... time i don't know the answer to a question i have numerous people i can go to and say uh guys hope and everyone has been so kind and generous with their time do um, you want to take that one yeah Sheila, go sheila <laughs>
5: <laughs> all i will say at the pre-show is extremely important because yeah. there's so little
3: room
0: yeah, and, and that is the one good thing, about 10 minutes before the performance starts, you're, if you've got a good audio describer, they the will
2: like, they yeah. will do
0: the scene, they will do, you know, what you're going to see, what what's on stage, um, you know, and I do know that you're planning on a touch tour, which we did Annie um, two weeks ago, no, last Saturday, um, we saw Annie. I have not seen Hamilton, but they did do Hamilton here, and it was audio described, and I heard it was phenomenal. So I, somehow these describers well, I know have, how to get it in. I, mean, I in have
5: the, seen Hamilton the audio description. Mm-hmm. Um, it's tight, and they do the best they can. So there's not a lot of them, but there is some of them, and they do get it in there Um I would say for Hamilton, what was mostly important was the pre-show where they described the settings. Um, and, and, the, the, and in this case, it's important to understand the representation of the characters in that they're not all white, middle-aged white men. You know, sometimes some of the characters, even some of the male characters were played, what we would think traditionally be male characters were played by female. Um, in other cases people of color and mostly right. people of color actually if not all if now that i think and and so the audio description is very valuable in this show but you're right there's so much singing and 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 stuff going on that it's basically between scene changes and 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 stuff that it it types.
2: Yeah, I'm very excited that, that we're going to be able to do the touch tour and, and potentially um, meet with a few members of the production, whether it be, you know, actors or, or the stage setters and things. Um, but the rundown, I, I've always called it the rundown, the pre-show. Um, I would imagine that Hamilton is probably going to be a little bit longer than usual um, for those reasons that we just discussed. i Sheila, when um if you don't mind from your perspective, because we don't say that anything is the best or the worst, but what have been what have been some of the best your described theatrical experiences you've had?
0: Oh my gosh. Um to kill a mockingbird was phenomenal. Um I loved Annie. I saw Beautiful, the Carol King story. Um everything I have seen has just been so well done. And we're doing, uh, what we've got here is Broadway in Orlando. So it's put on by the, the, I the National it. Touring Companies. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, Richard Thomas played, um, uh-huh. Attica Finch. Yeah, thank you. I couldn't think of his <laughs> name. In <laughs> To Kill a Mockingbird. John and Boy. He, for those John who boy, boy. boy, yeah. yeah. For, so, yeah. The Waltons. I knew I had Oh, he was phenomenal he just did such a wonderful job in that role but um and in december i'm gonna see funny girl and like i said i saw annie last week and i'm almost 70 years old and i've never seen annie in my life until last week with wow. audio description and it was it was amazing it was so well done so I'll ask. God, it's I'm just sorry. been no. It's it's just been it's been such a wonderful experience since we've been able to get that here in our performing arts.
2: I'll ask Bryn to jump back in because Bryn and I um, share a a love of it certainly as a goal. Um, Bryn, were you able to see uh, Beetlejuice audio described? All right, Bryn might be multitasking. I am. Can you <laughs> ask the
6: Anthony? Can you ask the question again? I'm so sorry. I was multitasking.
2: I said we have a musical in common that we both love. Um, were you able to see Beet- Beetlejuice audio described?
6: Oh my God. Yeah, I was. So, um, the... <laughs>
2: <laughs> Go for it, Brian. Oh Go my gosh.
6: Yes. Yeah. So I saw two different versions. Uh, I've seen Beetlejuice it, uh, in the theaters, you know, like it Broadway, uh, twice, no, three times. Saw Broadway, uh, Broadway three times and one of those with was with audio description. Uh, the first two times I went, um, Gala pro, I think is what it's called. It wasn't working mm-hmm. or like mm-hmm. the internet in the theater. So it it was weird because like you have to have internet uh, to be able to load the app and see you know all the shows playing near you, and then once you see the show that you want, they instruct you to connect to the theater's Wi Fi. Um, which doesn't provide you internet. Yes. It just gives you a link to the, to the audio description, but the f- internet was so bad in the theater. I couldn't get it to load. And the third time I was sat somewhere where internet was actually reaching me. And so I was able to get it to go. So and that pre-recorded,
5: one was recorded. Correct. Yeah. That
6: no. one was pre-recorded. Yeah. um And, and I, gosh, I wish I could, I wish I could ask somehow to, I wish I had like a recording of that audio description um, because it would be so nice to go back and re-listen to it again and, and catch some of the things that I missed. Someday we'll hopefully get a, a a you know, a DVD or something of that show. But the the last time I saw it was here in Minneapolis, uh, and it was audio described by an actual human in a booth in real time. Um, <clears throat> and it was so cool because you know, they described a lot of things that the pre-recorded version uh just didn't get to. Um, And yes, there was a little more like stomping on dialogue and stuff like that, because it was it was all sort of done on the fly. Uh, But but they were able to do a lot of pre-program description and stuff like that. So it was really cool. Anthony, you've got five minutes, sir.
2: Thank you. So, you know, I have not had the um, the pre-show experience um, with a live describer. The the two performances I've seen have been pre-recorded. Um, I have been told that you can ask the describer to be nuanced if you're, you know, a group or or the only person um, using audio description. Have you found that to be true?
6: Yeah, they actually are uh, our, our audio describer whose name I wish I could remember um he's a well known audio describer here in Minneapolis, but I just can't come up with the name. He, he came to us with our headsets, like he brought us our headsets himself. And then he asked us, like, is there anything in particular that you want me to focus on? Or, you know, would you like for me to be less nuanced and just kind of stay out of the way of the dialogue? Or do you want me to be a little more aggressive with the description? Like he kind of fine tuned it for the People that were there, like he actually met everyone in the house that was blind or, or visually impaired, and using the audio description, and he kind of got a consensus of what we all wanted. So that was, uh, that was so cool.
2: Awesome! I would love to see a concert performance um audio described as well. I don't know. I the next concert that I'm scheduled to go to is Madonna. I don't know if that will happen or not, but I am. Trying my best, but um, let me jump back in the Sunday Edition Audio Gala Challenge again, um, folks out there. I the Sunday Edition Challenge. We've done a few of these in the past. Have they been pretty successful? Um, we challenge you to invite friends or family to experience the audio description gala with you. Um, and uh, more along the lines of folks that may not have experienced it before or have very little experience with it and and discuss and and see what comes out of it and if you'd like to join us on the 19th and talk a little bit about the experience just send me a quick note with a little bit of the you know a little explanation of the experience and what you'd like you know to share to sunday edition ac at gmail.com that's sunday edition with my initials ac all one word no hyphens or anything at gmail.com so of the Carl tell us again all the places we can see it what time we should be looking for it tell us just remind us again about the two parties going on as well
5: that that you you're your, <laughs> you're gonna wrap it up
3: Oh, all right uh the date is Tuesday November 14th 7 30 p.m Eastern time you can listen to it on ACB media one for English and I believe I believe the consensus is that it should probably be ACB Media 8 for Spanish. Yeah. Um you can access both versions on adawardsgala.org on the ACB YouTube channel and on Peacock you do need a subscription for that and That will remain, um, the videos will remain accessible on Peacock through the end of the year, through December 31st. Um, And the videos will be on all of the ACB platforms as well. There will be a community call watch party on Zoom and Clubhouse. So if you want to listen as part of a group, and share your your enthusiasm when uh, when you know someone you love wins, then you can do that, um, and then there will be an after party from nine o'clock Eastern in which we will have as many of the winners and presenters and committee members. Um, I mean, I think I sent out an email to like 75 or 80 people (laughs) last week, lots of copying and (laughs) email addresses. Um, So uh, we'll see how many people, um, you know, are able to, to stop by for that and kind of, uh, you know, talk a little bit about their perspective on the process and um, answer questions from fans. So join us.
2: All right. Well, thank you always to Sheila, Bryn, and Lucy who are doing all the behind-the-scenes work. Tabitha, and oh, please join us if you are free on the 19th to talk with the CAPTA and to hear about listener experiences. Uh, this has been Sunday Edition. Everybody have a great Sunday.
1: You've been listening to Sunday Edition on ACB Media. Stream one, that's American Council of the Blind Media, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Episodes drop every week at 1 p.m. on Sundays, and you can email us at Sunday Edition AC, all one word, Sunday edition with the letters AC at gmail.com. Let's brunch again together next Sunday.